Hello, Disruptors. Welcome to Episode 9 of Faith Disrupted. Tonight, we're going to lighten things up a little bit and have another bit of a personality discussion about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Um, But first, we're going to have our usual catch up because we are all together again. It's been a little while, it feels like. It does. Just me. Yeah. Well, I have been um, this week went to the library and just borrowed out a big old pile of books that I struggled to carry back to my car, which is um, my want to do. I kind of tend not to go to the library for a while and then borrow out a stack of books and then go yeah there's no way I'm going to read these all in two weeks (laughs) and that is why I have a big library fine at the moment anyway I have been reading two books that I will uh two books but one that I'll probably really recommend but the other one's just for interest sake so one that I've finished is called The Puzzle of Left-Handedness and it is a fascinating little read well actually it is a massive read, not a little read. And yeah. probably only be interested if you are left-handed. But um, it's a very niche market there. Yeah, it, well, it is. It, it, funny you say that because only one in ten people are left-handed. Anyway, it's a very interesting look at left-handedness over history and basically trying to figure out why people are left-handed, given it's yeah. a smaller part of the and there's no conclusive evidence as to why but it also debunks all the taboos that have been through history about left-handed people like they're slightly mentally deranged or <laughs> like there is or that they're more creative than other people which is also not true yeah, yeah. so it's really mm-hmm. fascinating but um on our last um podcast the thing that interested me a little bit in this book as i got to the end is that also over time from what they can tell they reckon about 10 percent of the population is gay and um Mm. and so as just one of the things that drew in my mind is just as with left-handedness they don't know why some people are left-handed you know it's probably the same thing with being gay they don't know exactly why and so you know Mm. again maybe some people should stop criticizing people for things they can't control and we don't yet know why anyway that was what i drew from it now a really easy, lovely book that I read is called Reading by Moonlight. It's by Brenda Walker, and she is basically a novelist who gets sick, gets cancer, and it's the story of how she recovers from that and the books that she read during that time and how they helped her, and it's beautifully written. So, yeah, mm. I really enjoyed that one. Mm, lovely. How about you, Tam? Me? Um So I'm a little bit in between things at the moment because I finished my enormous book that was um, quite heavy and hard to get through. So A Little Life, Ah, I finished that up and I I did love it in Mm. the end, despite what your brother warned me about. Depression and despair Um, punctuated by death. It was, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It was full of depression, despair and death, but um, there was also a lot of beauty and love and friendship Mm. and yeah, yeah, both sides of the coin. Um, and I finished watching that Atypical on mm. Netflix, yes. which I really enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but now I'm kind of in that limbo land where I'm kind of grieving my finished mm. things and really, you know, I feel like I'm cheating on them if I start yeah. something new. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true, isn't it? It's all yeah. Good. Yeah, and I feel like there's a heap of good TV about to start up too, so I'm a bit... I don't really want to start something that's not really good. Yeah. How about you, Shell? 
Um, I I went to theatre mm. uh, a week ago, and I took my mum to see My Fair Lady, mm. which I must admit I was kind of not sure that I would really enjoy it. I thought, oh, you know, I guess it'll be a night out. I probably sat down thinking I'd rather be at home watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> But I really got drawn into the story. I don't think I've ever really seen the whole film. I know bits of it like the rain in Spain mm. falls mainly on the plane. Um, but it was a really beautiful, simple story about the class system and how um, this professor of linguistics takes in this woman who sells flowers from the street who's got a real cockney, awkward, horrible accent and um phrasing and he trains her to basically pass as royalty at a ball um and spoiler alert they fall in love yeah but not not in a um over the top way it felt yeah quite almost realistic and it just felt very I don't know innocent and and sweet which when you compare to Handmaid's Tale and most (laughs) of the stuff you see these days it was quite uh, a different experience and just nice to be around real people and people were dressed up mm. and feeling quite special going out yeah. in town so yeah it was really nice I've heard it's a really um, beautiful production like all the costumes and yes. lighting oh, and sets and mm. yeah there's one um they go to the races and there's one amazing dance song routine where it's like is it derby day where they all wear black and white um, well, here in Melbourne anyway, but uh, in this set they have like everybody's wearing black and white or all black or all white. So it just looks Amazing. phenomenal. And then they do these really fantastic dance moves. Yeah, that was the standout for me. Mm. I just was like jaw dropping to the ground. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Nice. Um, which Great. is good. And then my other little tip, which maybe by the time this goes live, may no longer be a sale but um, I I've never actually I must admit I've never actually bought any clothing from this group but they're I think they're Melbourne based have you guys heard of Mr Zimmy no yes Mr and then Z-I-M-I dot com and they've just got really funky things Bali show I think sorry it started in Bali oh okay because I, I actually, I've complimented two separate people, one in Sydney, one in Melbourne, oh, yeah, right. and they've both gone, oh, it's Mr. Zimmy. Yeah. Um, so I just admire their stuff. It's really, yeah, just really quite colourful and striking, long dresses and jumpsuits and fun prints. So if you're interested, they've got, yeah, sale at the moment before they launch all their new stuff for summer. Mm, nice. Um, yeah, it's quite pretty. It's good. Not too yeah. expensive. So tonight we're talking about their Enneagram. Um, and Shell, you seem to have kind of, I, I know that you're the one that introduced me to the idea of it. So I'd be mm. interested to hear a little bit about it. Yes. In fact, I'm pretty sure that within 20 minutes of me meeting most people for the first time, <laughs> I am directing them to the Enneagram Institute. <laughs> self bit, Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, hmm, I know your problem. <laughs> <laughs> the psychologist who never could be bothered actually studying psychology beyond year 12. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so the Enneagram um, is a, a kind of a personality profiling tool. So most people have heard, I think, of Myers-Briggs and the DISC profile. There's lots of different things out there. So the Enneagram um, is based on nine uh, types uh, of people. And so I think Ennea in Greek means nine and 
grammar means um, diagram. So what they do is in a circle put all nine numbers and then they kind of interconnect with one another. So in essence, each person is a number. Uh, there's n- nothing better about number one versus number nine or anything like that. It's just that you are naturally a um, type of person. And uh, what I really love about the Enneagram is that they, with each personality, you have varying degrees of who you are when you're average, who you are when you're really healthy, and who you are when you're quite stressed. And so in reading it and, and delving into it and understanding your number, I have found it a very enlightening experience. So maybe if I quickly explain the nine and feel free to jump in with your own reflections, I guess, of that number as you've seen it played out with real Mm -hmm. people. So number one is called the reformer and that's someone who's rational and idealistic. They're very principled and purposeful, self-controlled and perfectionist. So effectively, they're someone who has really high expectations of themselves and then have that of other people in their world. Mm. Anyone know anyone? Yeah, my my husband's a one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Very black and white, um, idealistic, uh, perfectionist, um, very much uh, justice-minded person. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, very big on justice, yeah. Uh, Number two is the helper. So that's a real caring, interpersonal type person. So um, they're very generous, they're people-pleasing, and they can um, be a little bit possessive as well. So they're the person who will be the first to jump in and offer to cater or whatever or help out the person who's sick or, you know, get in there and help effectively, mm-hmm. <laughs> which can be lovely. They're quite nice until they become a little bit passive-aggressive, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel that my mum's a two. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't have many twos. what everyone is. Yeah. It's really interesting when you start to be able to sort of work it out, like pigeonhole people. It's awesome. (laughs) I kid. (laughs) Yeah. So number three is an achiever. So they're success-oriented and pragmatic, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious, which is me actually. So I'm a a three and I can talk more about that (laughs) once I go through them all. Um, The good and the bad and the very, very bad. Um, (laughs) Number four is the individualist. So basically, if you're someone who absolutely rejects the idea of this (laughs) and and feels like you're the only person in the world that feels a certain thing, you're going to be the individualist. So you're sensitive, withdrawn, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed and temperamental. (laughs) That could be my husband, if only he Yeah, actually. Yeah, well, maybe that would, yeah, totally nail him. Um, number five is the investigator. So intense, cerebral, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Mm-hmm. Anyone I know? Anyone? Anyone? No, no. <laughs> yes, of course, that's me. Tam, it's totally you. Yeah. <laughs> you and your secrets. <laughs> we will. I don't need anyone. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so they're the real like thinker, researcher type people too, right? Yeah. Has to know everything about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like podcasts. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, is helpful. It's a helpful skill. Um, number six is the loyalist, so committed, security-oriented person, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. It seems like the last two on every one of these lists is the not-so-nice part of the yeah, person right. now that I'm realizing it. Um, so the loyalist, again, if you're doing this and you kind of don't really know who you might be, often it's a six bizarrely right yeah you're just kind of like oh i'm not really sure that can often end up being the loyalist number seven is the enthusiast so this is like the adventurer type busy fun loving spontaneous versatile distractible and scattered (laughs) um and i think interestingly a lot of people i think when they're younger like late teens early 20s can come out with this number because that's probably the stage of life as well so to actually Mm. still be that person in your 40s and so forth Interesting. So I reckon Roger would have been a seven at, when he was younger. Yep. And now he's a one and a healthy one heads towards a seven. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Very yep. accurate. Yeah. Yep. We'll talk about this, um, what you head towards in a second. Um, number eight is the challenger. So powerful, dominating, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational, which absolutely sums up my six-year-old daughter. Like yes. we have already put her in that box of the yeah. challenger. So real leader type, but um, really fears a lack of control and really wants to be very independent. Um, and then nine is the peacemaker. So easygoing, self-effacing, receptive, reassuring, agreeable and complacent. Anyone? Mm. Anyone? Complacent. That is me, my friends. No, don't pick up on the bad bitch. <laughs> You're easygoing and reassuring. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's not too much that's bad about that i know the peacemakers i reckon the best of the lot like they come across pretty nice so just to explain this a bit more i really do encourage people to head to enneagraminstitute.com and you can do a little test it's free and then you can also Is read the test through. on their free show oh it was they have changed they have updated their yeah. website i think oh, you've got to find then. the test elsewhere okay we'll put a link onto a free one then yeah, yeah. but again honestly just read through each one and you'll yeah. i reckon work it out <laughs> it's not that um it's not, not not as nuanced in some ways as the myers-briggs and that type of thing no um, as, yeah i think every time i've tested yeah i've come up the same thing which i yeah. don't tend to do with, with other tests yeah i'm the same yeah. yeah cool i was thinking it might um be helpful even if each of us kind of shared what our number has, is and how that shows up um, in our lives and um, a good way to kind of understand each other better but also gives people a sense of what the Enneagram does and the insights you can gain from it. What do you guys yeah. reckon? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so my type is type nine, which is the peacemaker. Uh, so easygoing self-effacing, agreeable, um, complacent, uh, usually creative and optimistic, uh, willing to go along with others to keep the peace and big problems with inertia and stubbornness. (laughs) Mm. Um, I was going to say most of those things I would completely agree with, with you, Mm. Um, (laughs) but we probably don't see the stubbornness that's Jason might disagree, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we definitely say that we've both met our match as far as stubbornness yeah, goes. Yeah, right. Um, I think I'm often in a, I'm in a inwardly stubborn. Mm. I might not show you it on the outside, but I just won't sure. go along with you. I'll find a way to not. Um, in a nice so way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so at my best, I am all embracing. I bring people together. I heal conflicts, apparently. Um, and the, I think my biggest, they say like you have like a driver, like a biggest desire or whatever, which tends to be towards inner stability and peace of mind, which I think is so true. Like that's often my thought. Like I often think if I, if I could change my life now, what would it be? I just want peace or I just want this in this situation. Mm-hmm. I just want stability. I just want to um, blah, blah, blah. So conversely then the fear is to have uh, lots of confrontation and things being not peaceful and, yeah, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's kind of it. I have, I think my wing is the one, which is the reformer wing. Yeah, so they say they say of the nine that is it is the crown of the diagram and we have the power of all others, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but actually never truly inhabit ourselves. And I can see that as well. I think um, sometimes in that ability to um, keep the peace and to help everyone else feel good, I can sometimes, I find that for myself, that sometimes I can make everything work for everyone else but not for myself that kind of thing um yeah so really knowing what I want or what I think or what my identity is sometimes is tricky I have found that um yeah and so that is one of the things that can then turn up you know how they have the levels of like healthy and average and then unhealthy so I think when I first read the Enneagram and reading like the unhealthy part it actually quite depressed me a lot Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I really I could see some of that stuff and it made me feel very stuck. Um, like, and I guess it's not meant to do that. It's meant you meant to, but I don't think I've done as much research as you shall in like how to actually move towards your more healthy self. So mm-hmm. I think I just felt like, oh well, every time I hit these situations, I'm just going to go to my unhealthy self because that's my type and that's what I do and that's where my brain goes. Can you? Um you don't have to get too personal but I'd be interested in whether there's an example or just describe what it feels like when you're in that space for you well even just going so looking even at my average level okay so my average levels one two and three I I think I remember reading it and thinking oh my goodness this is me so um you know when I was on staff at a church I often felt like my ideas and thoughts around things were different from other people Um, but I didn't like conflict. And so on my average level, it says you fear conflict, um, you go along with others' wishes, you say yes to things you don't want to do, and you take on conventional roles and expectations, and Mm. you appear to be very active, but you're actually disengaged on the inside. Mm. And that was true. Like I often felt, and I feel not just in that situation, but I can be like that. Like I'm look like I'm very involved in a part of things but the inside of me is kind of dead to what's going on and Mm. that's really unhealthy for me because then I start to move towards that um, unhealthy level so where yeah again like you're not kind of really connecting with who you are so you become kind of numb to things you can't even identify anymore what you want or what you think because you've gone along with other people so much. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is that kind of answering the question? So, yeah, yeah so that, yeah. and that's something that I feel like even across most of my life that is the biggest thing that I'm confronting is how to 
um, like ha- own my own voice and own my own opinion yeah. and how to be okay with people not liking that. Um, yeah. That's uh, really that's- interesting, Ash. Like down on the Enneagram Institute for your um, nine type, it talks about personal growth recommendations and it's just mm-hmm. like exactly what you're saying is what they're saying. Yes. They say it's worth examining your tendency to go along with others doing what they want to keep the peace and be nice. Yep. Will constantly acquiescing to the wishes of others provide the kind of relationships that will really satisfy you? Remember, it's impossible to love others if you are not truly present to them. This means that you have to be yourself, that you paradoxically have to be independent so that you can really be there for others when they need you. Yeah. That's exactly what you just described. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I feel that. And, you know, uh, I'm okay with that at the moment and I can see that. And I feel like I've done a lot of things over the last few years that do move me into a more healthy space. But I do remember... Yeah, initially reading those kind of descriptions mm. and just feeling so like, <gasps> oh, <laughs> yeah. um, because I did really recognise um, myself in that. Yeah. And can you just talk about what it feels like when you are more in the healthy? Like what have you done to move yourself to it and what does it feel like to be in a better place? Yeah, I think it is just that thing of yeah, being connected to myself and knowing what – you know, what I like and what I believe and what I think and being okay to say that um, and to bring other people on that journey as well because I'm a more of an introvert person, I kind of keep that to myself. But, uh, yeah, it definitely you feel you feel like you own yourself and so you feel like you have something to contribute and, uh, yeah, you feel happy rather than like you're constantly um, – like you've got a double face or something like that yeah it's just that feeling of being true to yourself and yeah and that so that brings a level of peace within itself but also I think they say it makes you feel alive which it does like it helps you feel creative helps you feel uh, yeah just more better about yourself really Mm. karma They say so each number goes can go to a different number in health or in stress. Um, Mm. And so I, interesting, you know, I've got you as a friend, close friend as a nine, and I'm the three. And Mm. I married Bruce, who's a three, who's a nine, sorry. Um, And nines actually go to a three in health or in growth, I should say. Mm. Um, Yeah, wow, that's really achiever. So because like the nine can become so. almost stuck I think like yes very is it complacent or just stuck and procrastinate a lot and so if you can actually move towards achieving and putting your energy into something that moves you out of that place that can actually be a good thing yeah absolutely yeah and it it helps you do other things like if you can get out of that space yeah it kind of yeah you then achieve and that makes you feel good and then you achieve more but yeah it's a it's a really weird um yes inert kind of space to be in when you're not there and it's really Mm. it's hard to break out of that Mm, debilitating Mm. and interestingly um because i think they say you know they divide the nine types into threes and they talk about um for i think it's eight nine and one they they are the way they experience things is through their body or physically 
Whereas I think for your type shell, the like two, three, and four, it's through your heart and feelings. For, yeah. 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 Five, six, seven, it's through the head or thinking. So isn't it funny that we're all different? Yes. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting. I thought that too. So we're very balanced friendship. We bring the yeah. best. <laughs> yeah. So eight, nine, one is, is through your gut and through your physical feeling. And I can't remember where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. What so does that mean for you? What does that mean? Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel things in my gut. I think I have to be very um, – I think I've learnt to be a lot more alert to how my body's feeling because um, if I'm feeling things in my body, it's usually because in my life things might not be going well. Like when mm. things weren't going well with a job, I had really bad rash for – ages mm. and like on my neck and everything and mm. it when I finished that job it went away so and yeah. different things like that so I yeah. think learning to pay attention to my body more and I remember going through a time also when um I was like sleeping really badly at nights and things like that and um I had to learn how to during the day and maybe this is the flip side of the healthy thing is the achieving which can be a bit of a drug, achieving. You can maybe talk more mm-hmm. to that, Michelle, but like the <laughs> more you do and the busier you get busy and you do stuff. So then I never stopped at all during the day. And so I had to yeah. deliberately like set alarms on my phone to stop, you know, what, what, you know, every hour for five or ten minutes and get up and walk around or do something different because because I wasn't resting all day, then my adrenaline levels just kept going at night and I had to right. train my body to slow down during the day for it to be able to slow down at night. Yeah, anyway. So even just getting out and going for a walk, which I remember the other day, Shell and you guys, uh, Tam, you were talking about the great, incredible um, boost that you get when you do exercise. And I was just like, mm. I never feel like that. I never get that like, woohoo, I can bounce off the yeah, walls. Right. It's awesome. But I do notice that I feel mentally, spiritually better if I go for a walk. Yep. So I can face the day better. I can think clearer if there's that physical mm. something. That's another growth, personal growth recommendation they have specifically for the nines-ish yes. exercise. Did you see yeah. that? Yes. I love how yes. they say yes. some nines run around doing errands and think that they're getting enough exercise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny oh I do that all the time <laughs> I'm walking really quickly through the shops this is good yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great wow. what about you Tam who are you Tam? me I am and no surprise to anyone I'm a five which is the investigator mm. um, so as Ursh said I'm in that head part of the Enneagram so yeah I mean it basically it's very descriptive of what I do um I want to know all the things all the time independent um want to find out why things are the way they are how the world works don't accept opinions and doctrines and I have to test everything so yes I I feel like I'm pretty confident that that's the type that I am and (laughs) I think that was really confirmed I was listening to this podcast quite a while ago um which is called The Road Back to You, and it's an Enneagram-specific mm-hmm. podcast. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And each episode, they interview someone of, you know, a particular type. And when you hear someone 
interviewed that is the same type as you and you find yourself nodding along to every single thing they say, just going, oh, my goodness, I can't believe there's other people in the world that are like me. Yeah. Because you don't always cross paths with people that are the same type as you all that often. So it was really confirming but also really comforting to know that, I'm not necessarily crazy. It's, you know, <laughs> there's other people that feel this way and, and do the things that I do. Um, and the, the five that they interviewed, actually, Ursh, was Michael Gungor. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Great. Interesting. So, and that he's quite sense. a... Yes. Does it? But he's quite different. Like, obviously, I don't... I suppose because he's a musician, I don't, mm. you know... I, I would usually not think that I was like musician-type people, but... Um, was, but you've got a very highly creative side, though, so that mm. might just be another. Yeah, creative, but in a different way to, yeah. Mm. I can do stuff with my hands, I think. I feel like if I've got a pattern or some guidance, I can do stuff. But I'm hopeless coming up with things off my own bat, whereas I feel like yeah. musicians can do that. Anyways, mm. I think um, also what really stood out in being exceptionally correct was my um where I go at stress and growth yeah so um so I move towards a seven in stress and I become hyperactive and scattered which is exactly what I do and then um in my direction of growth I go towards a five and become self-confident and decisive and towards an eight you mean oh sorry an eight yeah yeah Yeah, that's what I meant Yeah, and that that very much describes what I do along with all those levels. Can you describe us what it looks like then when you go to a seven when you're in that more unhealthy place? What does that actually show up like for you? Um, I probably get really irritated that I can't do the things that are in my head um, and then I lose the ability to focus on any one thing completely and I just want to do all the things. (laughs) So if I I can't do what I want to do, I I I get really angry, so then I want to do everything that I want to do all at once, so I can't do anything. Mm. Um, yeah, so that gets a bit crazy. And then the opposite, if I'm moving to in a healthy direction, I can get really focused and, you know, really problem solvy and... So what's the um, things for the, that type, Shell, that will help them move from healthy to unhealthy? I mean, unhealthy to healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make you unhealthy. Um, so they say, um, learn to notice when you're thinking and speculating takes you out of the immediacy of your experience. So your, Tam, your mental capacities can be an extraordinary gift, but can also be a trap when you use them to retreat from contact with yourself and others. So you need to like stay connected with your physicality. Open all the tabs. <laughs> yeah, but so you having done a bit of work with you actually in the the last six months, I I find that to be true. Yep. You're like true brilliance, but equally you got to be careful to have your space to yeah do what you need to do <laughs> to be brilliant. Ha ha ha! Or else they get angry. Mm, yeah. um, and also, it says it says also with the um the fives like the nines, um that exercise is really helpful. And I think that um, all that kind of mental energy gives me almost um, an excess of adrenaline. Mm. So yes, I, I actually yes, get yes. really sick by physical adrenaline. I, if I go on a ride or if I have a close call in the car or something, it makes me almost physically vomit. Like I'm really, wow. I feel like I'm allergic to adrenaline. I hate it. Wow. But wow. I feel like I get the same kind of feeling if I'm stressed. Um, 
probably exercise is the last thing I think to do in that case. But it's like mm-hmm. I was saying to you know that last time that if I do exercise and burn off that excess adrenaline, it's the best possible thing I can do to help me focus and to pull me back down into the healthy yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. Disappointing that they say here that that's a health, more healthy way without using drugs or alcohol. Well, see, this is, mm. yes. I mean, I probably do use wine as well. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Come on. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm interested, Tan, that you said you get really angry because, again, in those three quadrants, uh, quadrants, what would they be called? Triads. Three triads. Anyway, like they, so they say that the eight, nine ones, Hmm. So your fear, I think the two, three, fours are shame and eight, nine, one is anger. Yeah. About the dominant emotion. So your dominant, dominant emotion is meant to be fear, Tam. Mine. Yeah, hmm. I can understand that. Yep. What does that yeah, mean for I, you then? What do you ooh. read into that? Yeah, I was, do you know what? I was thinking just completely unrelated thinking. I was thinking that I do, I do have a lot of fears and I think most of them are quite rational but I probably take them to an irrational place because I live so much in my head. Mm, yes. So just, you know, the same fears that everyone has of, you know, being in a car accident, um, fear of death, mm. fear, you know, just, nor- you know, I say normal things to be scared of, <laughs> things that everyone would go, yeah, I'm totally scared of that as well. But they probably wouldn't kind of obsess about the things Mm. and I think it's something that I more do probably when I'm in that unhealthy space is get to that obsessive level of fear and when I'm healthy I can probably see those as rational you know more rational and work through it in a better way that's interesting yes it is with my type it's all about it's actually about locking into your anger so because the nines deny that they're ever angry yeah right yeah I can see that (laughs) you're gonna lean into it yeah Yeah, totally (laughs) yeah and And it says for the shame before shell yeah shame's a big one isn't it oh shame is a hundred percent yeah funny absolutely yeah that fear of failure which you think you often hear about the fear you know don't be afraid to fail but I think it's often achievers telling other achievers that that's what it feels like <laughs> yeah, right. a lot of other people are really fine with it but no, yeah I'm not okay with that yeah. at all yeah <laughs> um yeah that's interesting whereas my it says here that my basic fear is being useless helpless or incapable mm. and I think that's that's really true I think that's that's why you want to know all the things is so that you can right. know what you need to know when you know someone needs it yeah and if you don't like if I'm not winning at life and, you know, on top of everything, then, yeah, that brings that fear and yeah, drags me down to those unhealthy levels. I feel tired listening to you, Tam, I must say. Like, really? Like you've got a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in no, your mind. I think, all, I think they all do, but, yes, yeah. I think because it's, yeah, fives are probably, and there's probably another, the, the other ones in that kind of area that, are, that really internalise everything. Yeah, far yeah. out. I wonder, okay. can you? What would a five who's an extrovert look like? That's what I'm interested wow, in. Wow, that would be scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because they wouldn't just know all the things; they'd want to tell you about all the things. Yeah, yeah. They probably become pastors. A lot of people like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me. Now, Shell, we'll talk about you because I think you've probably thought about this a bit more than any mm-hmm. of us. Maybe. I feel like maybe I've just um, got my info and then kind of 
just talked around, <laughs> talked about it at people for some time, <laughs> perhaps delving into it much more deeply. It's actually, to be honest, through this conversation has sparked in me. I'm like, I actually would like to go back and and go deeper because I think there's just layer upon layer of absolutely and Richard Raw has written books about it so you need to read those yes that's the book that I'm thinking of when I yeah (laughs) thought I need to get in there so I can find it (laughs) yeah Yeah, I can't remember what it's called but um I know I I think there's more than one book actually that he's written so that would be really interesting I think that's just an interesting conversation in and of itself around, um, like there's this great article in christianitytoday.com, which is an evangelical's guide to the Enneagram. Mm. And it's basically like going, evangelicals, it's okay. This isn't just for Catholics or just for, you know, is Islamic roots or Jesuit priests. <laughs> but, you know, maybe we might possibly be able to engage around the Enneagram and find it a useful way to deepen our faith. <laughs> like, yeah, anyway, funny. Yeah, that article, the other article you sent around, Shell, about the what all Christians should know about the Enneagram might have been a similar thing, but, yeah, it was kind of talking about prayer like how to have your prayer and spiritual growth with the Enneagram. So, mm. yeah, that whole thing of if you're in the head, bring a posture of silence. So I think that's you, Tam, isn't it? <laughs> so silence your head. Mm. Um, yes. If you're in your body, oh, bring a posture so of stillness. So for me, yeah, bring just being still rather than doing 100 things. And you then shall, in your heart, bring a posture of solitude. So I guess not being around... Lots of people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, do I have to? Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know that to be true. So that's a, a good confirmation. Yeah. But it is so hard to do, isn't it? It's the thing you know you need to do is the hardest yeah. thing to do. Yeah, yeah. which is the spiritual life, really, isn't it? <laughs> the spiritual yeah. discipline, right there. Yeah. Yep. Mm. So, Shell, we know you're a type three. Yes. Tell us about how what that means for you specifically. Yeah. Um. So. It means that I have this drive to achieve in life um, and uh, there's kind of, well, the unhealthy bit is that you are very self, image is a big thing and so you care about what other people think and um, I think it's really interesting to see that kind of basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile, that people would see that in me. But my basic fear is that I'm worthless. Mm. So I need to be useful to the world effectively. Mm, yeah. And that so can, you. yeah, and it can go delve into you kind of workaholic, really competitive space. As you can imagine, it's a quick slippery slope to that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And, but there's this kind of, it's often, um, you know, starts when you're, you're young as well. And I think, um, I think it's I, – I kind of take the Enneagram as – this is my own personal view without any psychological background there. But it, it, it's kind of part of your natural thing, but it's also shaped, obviously, by your upbringing and mm. those, those things that hit you, that hurt you when you're young and, can t- and become that deep-seated pain point for you of which all the lies can kind of build around. Mm. Um, and I think for me, yeah, that sense of – you're not good enough and the worthless thing is a real driver mm. um, that sits there and so... Do you feel like you... Sorry, and this might be too deep, but do you feel like you heard that in your childhood? 
No, well, this I actually did. Even for mine, like it says, which would fit with my thing of not having a voice, it says the wounding childhood message was it's not okay to assert yourself. But I don't know where I would have picked that up from. So maybe, I don't know. But I wonder if just being, so maybe the, um, the, um, the fact that maybe that is in you already. So your type, mm-hmm. some of it is yes, in you already. Right. So that yeah. means that that's yeah. the message you hear, yeah, even if even people aren't right. saying it to you. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's what people don't say or, or it's also what you hear. So I think, you know, I was often told I love you for who you are and, you know, you're a wonderful person holistically. But what I remember is being praised for getting that award mm-hmm. um, in class or, uh, yeah, doing something. Yeah, right. That's what I remember. I don't think that I was only ever praised for just mm. that, but that's what I yeah. internalised. Yeah, right. um, which is exactly what you said, Tab. I think it's like you kind of, yeah, you're naturally inclined towards that and then it just gets reiterated potentially. Um, yeah, so I, in health, I, my personality type actually goes towards a six, which is a loyalist. And just at its bare basicness, I find that interesting in that you're channeling that desire to do and to um, to make something happen in the world. That it's, it moves it from being about you to channeling it into something bigger than yourself, mm-hmm. potentially. Because And so for me anyway, I've found myself channeling that into causes. So I'll work for an international development thing or I'll go and help not-for-profits or I'll um, go and help people to become better versions of themselves. Like whatever that is, I've channeled that. And in some ways I really kind of um, tend to avoid any kind of limelight. I actually prefer to be the one walking alongside and encouraging others than putting myself in that. And I'm, well, there's, yeah, I guess different levels to that, I suppose. But um, having become aware of this in the last 10, 15 years um, and recognising that to counteract the dark side of this personality type is to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and honest is is the way to counteract mm-hmm. it because, of course, your instinct is to do the shiny, bright, um, I've got it all together. Um, so I'm done, just trying to, you know, work as you mature, like what's the right road to walk where you are um, authentic Um and generous and okay with who you are, just for who you are, not what you do, which is just, you know, I'm a human being, not a human doing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yes. Because so like you, the most unhealthy level, you become a narcissist. You are a narcissist, really. Yes. That pretty much sums it up. What are, so what are the things that help you move from being narcissistic to, mm-hmm. because obviously like that third type, does create real great change for the world like that would be hmm. the strength isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah i think uh, you that know, vulnerability is that is a real key isn't it show i think so actually mm-hmm. um because then it's an approachable non-competitive like, it takes the competitiveness out of yeah. it yeah, yeah right. i think yeah. um it's hopefully a real um balancer really mm-hmm. um one thing that i i still am working through is um, the other challenge that this personality type can have is that you actually don't know what you love doing in life. Mm. So, and I feel like that 
could be true mm-hmm. for me in that I, um, you go where the praise is. So, um, yeah, I kind of have just uh, continued to do things and take opportunities as they've come along um, if I'm told, oh, you'd be good at this or have you thought about that or here's an opportunity. And so lots of yeses because you've got that FOMO, don't want to miss out, mm-hmm. and um, also the desire to do stuff. And, and, you know, most threes I think have a high capacity. You actually can get a lot mm-hmm. done and not feel absolutely mm-hmm. shattered by it. You actually get energised by it. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm hearing so much myself when you talk about yourself. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're saying that I move towards the three. In the yeah. space. Yes. Like, yeah, just as you're talking now, I'm like, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, cool. Because that's why you wanted to start this podcast too, Shell, wasn't it? Because you knew that you tend to do things probably more that other people want you to do yeah. and go for that praise and you wanted something for yourself. You're trying to find a hobby. Yeah, mm. exactly. And I think that's where this all started. Yeah, it's something that I would actually enjoy doing Um that wasn't serving a greater goal. I mean, obviously, we're going to start booking out big theatres around the country. Mm. Yeah, Just doing chats and, yeah, how live shows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but even if it was only our family members that listened to this, which it's not, by the way, people, there are other people out there. Um, but even if it was... Uh-huh. I really don't care. Like it, this, yeah, it's so nice to have something that's just for fun and just catching mm. up with you guys. So, uh, yeah, I think finding things that, that bring life and don't have a exact purpose behind them yeah. is really good for me, yep. but hard to do. And also I think, and this, the downside to this is that I can, can end up swirling too much and overthinking things, but I do want to be able to strip back to think, what do I actually enjoy doing? And I don't have to be doing exactly what I'm doing right now. What is it that brings me life and me and who I'm made to be, not what the world or my world has told me I should be? Mm. And that's a really hard question to ask at this age, in your late 30s. It's a lot of unravelling. Yeah, it's a bit daunting. Mm. It is, yeah. But it's also a good time to do it. I mean, I don't want to get to late 60s and be asking the same questions still. (laughs) You'd probably do that all over again. True, I would. And I think yeah. that solitude piece around that's what the mm. spiritual discipline needs to be for me is 100% true, but that's why it's so daunting because it's it feels like, yeah, <laughs> a lot to delve into. I was going to say, I feel like you're good at identifying that though, Shell, like, and you have taken yourself away on like kind of solitude-y, retreat-y type things. Hmm. And have you found that helpful or helpful? Yeah, yeah. I've done them sporadically though, so not very disciplined. But, yes, they have been great when I've done that. And that's something I would suggest. Um, it's not just for a, a three type on the Enneagram, I think, for anybody, but um, certainly seeing a spiritual director has been mm-hmm. off and on over the years has been really useful to carve out. For me, it's like it's something in the diary at least yeah. <laughs> that has a purpose and, um it's a carved out space where you are, yeah, your job is to just reflect and to be asked questions that you um, ponder. But I also found, I mean, I think what's also interesting with the Enneagram is what is acceptable and appreciated in your church setting. Mm. Because I think there is a lot of nines and twos, so the helpers and the peacemakers, in church and also a lot of ones in church the reformer types that want to see things a certain way 
I reckon there's probably a lot of threes in some types of churches. Like I would say maybe more the Pentecostal world, the high achievers are like mm-hmm. really celebrated yeah. and encouraged. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would say in, in my church settings and probably I've actually instinctively gone towards that, it's like really not celebrated <laughs> at all. Oh, look, uh, fights aren't all that celebrated either. No. no it tends to be quite argumentative. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, I think that actually yeah. plays out a bit. And so I found when I first found out what number I was, there was one other person in the church who was that number. <laughs> and I felt I didn't like myself for a solid year there. I could only see. And, again, as you said, Ursh, when you look at it and you see just the unhealthy, that can be quite a demoralising experience. Mm. But to come to terms with it and then say, actually, there is some real value and there's something to bring with who I am in this, um, yeah, that's just, I guess, a part of any yeah. realisation. And every well. part is needed and yeah. learning, I think, like in anything, like learning how to get along with and how to think like mm. all the other different types, like being part of any close community or even working environment or relationship, you have to figure that stuff out. Yeah. yeah. It, it has to be okay for people to be who they are as well. Like as much as we want to move towards our healthy selves for our own self-growth, it's just the reality that a lot of people aren't and won't. And so how do you... Mm. And like I was saying before reading that um, that blog piece, like we've all got a little bit of all the types. Yeah. So true. by rejecting any one type or, you know, more than one type of person, you, you're kind of rejecting parts of yourself that maybe you don't like. No mm. man is an island to himself. That's right. Well done. <laughs> cool. Well, there's like, yeah, obviously we've only, I feel like we've only just touched the surface of this whole space that makes me want to yeah, read a bit more and um, delve into it more, well, let's, but let's all read the book before we talk yeah. about it next that'd Good be idea. great actually yeah yeah um, book club, book book club. club. <laughs> yeah we'll get involved love it um we'll just read richard raw yeah <laughs> get on board um one thing if people are like wanting to go into this world and have a bit of a look around um one piece that maybe we could chat about another time as well is around the relationships because you can actually go in and go okay, so me as a three achiever, how do I relate to a nine peacemaker? Mm. And it turns out actually they're very common marriage like partnerships, Mm. (laughs) which is funny because Bruce and I are that and we did not do the Enneagram till well after we got married. Um, But it helps you work out when you'll work really well together and when you won't and I have found it to be quite insightful. So let's explore that Mm. another time. Mm. Do the test and then come tell us about it on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Cool. And um, we can have a bit of a chat about geeky personality stuff. Achievers um, Unite. So we'll have our yeah. own mini Facebook group <laughs> in the Facebook group. Oh, and we'll see. take over and we will have so many people because we – sorry. Wow. Now. <laughs> yeah, I'm really healthy, healthy three at the moment. Radio. So come along to Faith Disrupted on Facebook. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes um, or whatever podcasty thing you prefer to use. And leave us a review on iTunes because we love that. Um, and we'll see you next time. See you then. Bye.